0: Chapter forty two of the Penny Come quicks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Penny Come quicks by Sabine Baring Gould. Chapter forty two the Gauntlet Dangled Philip had to shake hands with Janet, with his aunt, with the three Labartes to whom he was introduced, and with a little heartiness to clasp the hand of the captain. He was introduced moreover to the American lady and was thus given the well-considered opportunity of saluting her with calculated indifference he somewhat exaggerated the cordiality of his greeting of the labarte girls so as to emphasize the chilliness of his behavior towards the young lady from chicago when the first excitement of meeting was passed philip was overwhelmed with questions how was dear uncle jeremiah was he much altered what was going to be done about the mill and what a puzzle it would be about the administration! Could he re-establish himself legally as alive after he had been decreed dead? What had happened at Murgatroyd besides the return of Uncle Jeremiah? How had the people received him? Had they erected a triumphal arch? Did he write beforehand to say he was coming? What sort of weather had they in England? What kind of crossing had Philip? Had baby suffered at all from the sea? what did he think of the railway there was no end to the questions asked which philip answered as well as he could and as he received and replied to the questions he kept his eye on the strange lady and considered how she must feel shut out from all the interests which engrossed those connected with him and how much in the way she ought to regard herself this she did observe and drew aside out of hearing and as beeple yao came forward fell into conversation with him his presence had an immediate numbing effect on Philip and Salome and Janet. They withdrew to another end of the salon. Philip had used his opportunity to observe the strange lady, and he admitted to himself that she was good-looking. Of course there are differences in types of beauty, and she was not of the type that commended itself to Philip, so he thought. She had dark hair and a transparent olive complexion, possibly a touch of dark blood in her, mused Philip, and he said to himself i will take the first opportunity to look at her nails her features were finely modeled with a firmness of cutting that showed she was no longer in her teens undeveloped the flexible transparent nostrils the slightly curled curves of the lips the wavy hair over the brow whether natural the result of a trace of black blood or artificially produced the splendid dark eyes that looked at philip looked down into him and flashed through his whole being, like a lamp shining into a cellar. The delicate ears, the beautiful neck, not too long, set on well-formed shoulders, all were observed by Philip. Yes, said Philip, she is handsome, but she belongs to that period of life which may be twenty-four or thirty-four. She has got out of thirteenhood, that is clear. He looked at Salome. If Salome was his ideal, nothing could be more different than her type from the type of Miss Durham. There was a childlike simplicity in Salome, an ignorance of the world which would make of her a child to grey hairs. This strange lady had clearly none of this simplicity and ignorance. She knew a great deal about the ways and varieties of life. One like Miss Durham would never go into gushing ecstasy over a baby and forget that the first homage was due to her husband it afforded emphatic pleasure to philip to be able to demonstrate before this single lady with such a circle of relatives about him six ladies and one gentleman we are eight and you are one it was joseph's sheaf with all the sheaves bowing down before it it was like a man with a pedigree describing the family tree to a self-made man it was like a hen with a brood of chickens clucking and strutting before a fowl that has never reared a solitary chick, hardly laid an egg. It was like a millionaire showing his pictures, his plate, his equipages, his yacht, to an acquaintance who had two hundred a year. It has just been stated that the American girl's eyes had flashed down into Phillips and irradiated his interior as a lantern does a cellar, a wine cellar, of course and the light revealed magnificent cobwebs, thick dust, and some spiders. There was, unquestionably, in Philip, much rare good wine, excellent qualities of heart and soul, but they were none of them on tap. All were bottled, and all overlaid with whitewash and dust, and matted with the fibers and folds of prejudice. These masses of cobweb, these layers of dust, these fat spiders, were objects of pride to Philip. Every year the cobwebs gathered density and the dust accumulated, and the spiders became more gross, hideous, and venomous. The wine remained corked. It was merely an excuse for the cultivation of cobwebs and spiders. We are all eager to show our friends through these rich wine vaults of our hearts. We light candles and conduct them down with infinite pride and what we expose is only our curtains of prejudice of ancient standing and long formation our meannesses and our spites if we offer them to taste of our best wine it is but through straws on the other hand there was colonel Yao, a walking bodega of generous sentiment with every rich passion and ripe opinion always on tap ask what you would and you had a tumbler full but we libel bodega the gush with which he regaled his acquaintance was not true vintage. It was squeezed raisins and logwood, gooseberry and elder. No cobwebs of prejudice there, not a trace even of a scruple, not a token of maturity. Supper was hurried on because Philip was hungry, half an hour before the usual time at which the little party sat down to their special table in the alcove. Oh, said Salome there is a cover short waiter we shall be nine to-night and in future not eight my husband is here pardon answered the waiter monsieur expressly said eight oh he forgot he did not understand we are now nine then philip interfered i said eight but if you particularly desire miss durham's society i can sit at the long table with the common guests "'Oh, Philip, surely, surely not!' exclaimed Salome. "'It will hurt her feelings. "'She will understand that we are a family party, "'and that from such a party strangers are best excluded.' Salome heaved a sigh. She could not endure the thought of giving pain to anyone. "'Who is she?' asked Philip. "'She is a lady and very agreeable, "'indeed a most superior person.' You will be certain to like her when you come to know her. Oh, Philip, she knows a thousand things about which I am ignorant. I have no doubt about that, answered Philip ironically, and things I would be sorry you should know about. I make no question she has seen the shady side of life. But she is tremendously rich. Who says so? The waiter, of course, he knows, and Colonel Yao pays her great attention accordingly. Oh, Philip, I wish so much you would extend your protection to her against him he may draw her into one of his schemes for the advancement of missionaries or the propagation of dogs and get a lot of money out of her do do philip protect her against him i i i don't like to speak about him you can understand that philip very well said he i will do what i can he was flattered at the idea of acting as protector to this young american lady but i put down my foot and say she is not to sit at our table the party gathered in the alcove and fortunately miss durham was the last to arrive so there was no difficulty about requesting her to take a place elsewhere when she entered the salle manger at the usual hour every seat was occupied at the table to which for some little while she had been admitted she saw at a glance that her place was taken and she went without demur or a look of disappointment to the long table she had sufficient tact to perceive that philip disliked her and she had no intention of pressing her society on those who did not desire it so far from seeming vexed a slight contemptuous smile like the flicker of summer lightning played about her lips she caught salome's eye full of appeal and apology and returned it with a good-natured nod a trifle such as this said the nod will not give me offence mrs sidebottom sat beside philip and plied him with questions relative to the intentions of uncle jeremiah questions which he was unable to answer but she attributed his evasive replies to unwillingness to speak and pressed him the more urgently the captain was attentive to janet who had recovered her spirits laughed and twinkled, and without intentionally coquetting, did coquette with him. Janet became dull in female society, but that of men acted as a tonic upon her. It was like parishes chemical food to a bloodless girl. It brisked her up, gave color to her cheek, and set her tongue wagging. The captain was good-natured, and he threw a word or two to the Labarte girls, but devoted his chief attention to Janet salome was left to herself mrs sidebottom engrossed her nephew whether he would or not and when he said something to salome he was interrupted by mrs sidebottom who exclaimed now fiddle-dee-dee you will have plenty of time to talk in private to your wife whereas i shall see you only occasionally and i am particularly interested in all you can tell me of jeremiah give me your candid opinion what will he do is he angry with me? I can give no opinion without grounds on which to base it, and Uncle Jeremiah has not taken me into his confidence. I see you have the reserve of a lawyer. I had enough of that when City Batome was alive. I hate reserve. Give me frankness. Now, if you will not tell me what you know of my brother's intentions, I know nothing and can therefore divulge nothing you won't tell that is the truth don't tell me you have been a fortnight and more under the same roof with him and have not found out his intentions well to change the subject what do you think of the scheme for buying up the hospice on the st gothard and turning it into an establishment for mount st bernard dogs End of chapter forty two